A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.wordpress.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. And for some reason, I'm speaking like this. This is not normal intonation. I don't know what's happened to my intonation. It's gone wrong. That was weird. I don't know why that happened at the beginning of the podcast. Normally, my intonation is fine. But uh, there, it just went all weird. That wasn't planned. It just happened like that. Sometimes when I start recording, my voice comes out weird because... um, you know, I haven't warmed myself up. But I'm okay now. I'm warmed up. My intonation has gone normal again. Welcome to the podcast. This could be an extremely useful and important episode for everyone out there who's learning English. I'm assuming that you're one of those people. You, that's right, you, the one who is listening to this right now. I wonder who you are, what's your profile. I imagine, I expect that you are a learner of English, and you have um, had the great fortune to somehow come across this wonderful podcast for learners of English. This is a podcast specifically recorded for you. That's right. Um, Maybe you're a teacher of English, in which case you just want to listen in just to kind of get a few ideas or something, or maybe you're just someone who listens to to this because you just love the sound of genuine British English as it's actually spoken by a human being from Britain called Luke. And this is it. This is exactly what you're looking for. If that's what you've been searching for, maybe you've been thinking, I really need to find some kind of uh, audio download um, of uh, an actual British man speaking, using his mouth and his vocal cords in that amazing form of English that we all know uh, is called the Queen's English or BBC English. And this is it. This is the sound of the Queen's English. And it really is rather a, a, a nice, relaxing sound, isn't it? The, the sound of the Queen's English being spoken by a man who could work for the BBC. Hello, uh, this is the BBC. Uh, my name's Luke. And pretty much anything I say in this kind of BBC voice does sound informative and factual, even when the person saying the words doesn't really know what the hell he's talking about. It still sounds factual and important because this is the Queen's English. In fact, um, anything said in this kind of BBC voice does sound like it's actual fact. I think you'll agree. For example, um, let's see, they might say something like, um, uh, scientific reports um, suggest that By the year 2016, over two-thirds of the Earth's surface will be covered in ham. And you might think, really, ham? That's that's amazing. 65% ham, really. Just because of the sound of the voice. There are actually two voices on the BBC. I don't know if you know about this, but I've noticed that there are two different voices on the BBC. There's the voice in the studio, and then there's the voice outside the studio. Okay, in the studio, everything sounds like this. You're listening to the BBC. Everything's fine. Everything's under control. Um, Everything's smooth because 
we're in the studio. Okay, on the radio, it's even smoother, isn't it? This is the voice of the BBC World Service. I'm sitting in a lovely studio right now. I'm sitting in a leather armchair, sipping from a glass of brandy. This is BBC Radio Four. I'm not wearing any trousers. Here are the news headlines. So that's in the studio. But then outside the studio, everything somehow pitched up here for some reason. When someone is outside, they speak like this. This is the language of drama. It's the language of facts. It's the language of events covered in a matter-of-fact way outside the confines of a television studio. For some reason, as well, when when the people on the BBC speak like that, the sentence gets uh, even more serious at the end, doesn't it? I'm outside, and there's a strong suggestion here. That it could start raining at any moment. Why is that? Why are they going more serious at the end? You know, weather reports have shown that there's a high chance that it could literally start raining at any time. And the consequences of a rain shower on my new jacket could be devastating. Why are they doing that? I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked by a kind of BBC thing.、Uh, that's not the intention. This episode could be. Really useful for you, basically, if you're learning English,、um, because this one is is going to be focused on grammar, and I'm going to give you a verb tense review. Okay, I'm going to go through lots of verb tenses in English.、Um, I'll demonstrate them first, and then I'll go through them with you, explaining their form, their use, and pronunciation. A lot of the things I'm saying here will be written on my website, which you probably know is teacherluke.wordpress.com. It's been a while since I did an episode on grammar, and so I thought I'd give you a really thorough look at different verb tenses. It's a bit ambitious to try and cover lots of tenses in one episode, but I'll try and keep it as brief and practical as possible.、Um, so this could be a really useful episode, which you could listen to again and again in order to get the full value.、Um, I don't normally do many episodes on grammar because, let's be honest, it's pretty boring. Unless you're a grammar geek, it can be pretty mind-numbing stuff. You know, just in one ear and out the other.、Um, I, I've had lots of experiences in classrooms where I've decided I'm going to teach some grammar, and the students usually are into it. They they want to learn it. The problem is once you start going into the details of the rules behind, for example, verb tenses, it starts to get a bit abstract, and ultimately it just sort of melts your brain. You know, I've I've seen students sort of become like zombies in my class just through the power of grammar. You know, it can really kill. It can just kill a room. It's amazing. I think I'm I'm I wonder why the army doesn't use grammar as a kind of weapon in war. You know, or it maybe as a, the police could use it as a way of dealing with civil,、um, you know, like sort of riots and things. What what they should do. Is if there is a riot going on in the street, the police should just come in with a loudspeaker and just start sort of, you know, very loudly explaining the rules of grammar across the crowd, and the result would be that they would all just sort of just lose all energy and motivation and all hope, and they would then stop like smashing up police cars. That's that's the way I think it would work. So if you can imagine a riot, riot, people breaking stuff and things like that, and the police go. So, ladies, 
I wouldn't say ladies and gentlemen. The police don't say that. It's not like a comedy show, is it? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the voice of the police. No, that's not how it would work. They would probably just go... So, we are now going to cover the main uses of the various forms of grammatical structures in the English language. And we're going to start with perfect and continuous verb forms. So, starting with the perfect verb form, the main use of this is when you're dealing with actions that may or may not be finished in a period of time that is uh, certainly still continuing and that may or may not have recently uh, concluded and at that point the crowd is just like oh dear should we just go home I don't I can't be bothered to smash any buildings anymore I think it could be used as a weapon anyway um, let's see I hope that it's not going to be it's not going to have that effect on you um, now uh, while, while you're listening to this um, so for example I mean okay all right let's see um, one thing about learning grammar is that, you know, we don't learn a language really by learning the rules first and then applying them. Instead, what we do is we learn by trying to communicate a message in that language. And then in doing that, we learn the limitations and the possibilities, right? But it does help to get an insight into the structures at work because then you can identify areas where perhaps you're making mistakes or where particular tenses are used and, and you're not using them in that way. So listen carefully while I'm talking here and try to notice the different tenses, okay? That's your task while you're listening to this. Notice the different tenses that I use as I'm using them. Like, for example, oh, there's the present perfect, or that's a first conditional structure, for example, or oh, that's the future perfect continuous passive there, I love that one, etc., okay? Then I'll go through it all and explain it at the end. And you, as I said, you can read this stuff on my website. So let's start. Let's start, shall we? Um, there you go. Let's start. This, it's, it, I'm trying to get enthusiastic about grammar. Okay, it's grammar time. Let's go. Okay, you have to get. You have to try and get enthusiastic at the beginning, because you know that you know in ten minutes or so, when we're in the thick of the grammar stuff, you'll be like, oh god. But you've got to just hold on, okay? Just hold on, focus, and if you can do that, then you will take on an, a wealth of very important knowledge, okay? That in the heart of this, I think maybe that's why, I think part of it is that it's very tough to, to be able to focus and concentrate on this grammar stuff, because it is very abstract and it is very complex, but the reward is in there. In a way, it's a bit like a diamond. You know what I mean? Because the thing about a diamond is it gets, it's like coal, it's carbon that's been put under great pressure over a fairly long period of time. Great, great pressure until it's condensed, really, really condensed into the form of an amazing, brilliant, shining, pure diamond. And the diamond is so, it's one of the hardest substances on the planet because of that sustained period of of pressure, right? So in a way, okay, learning grammar is a bit like compressing a diamond, okay? Now, bear with me on this one. Um, what I'm trying to say is that in order to really extract the value from learning grammar, you have to go through a certain period of pressure or a certain period of difficulty, okay? And if you can stand it, if you can kind of concentrate and focus when you're learning about grammar, then ultimately the prize at the end of that is that you are rewarded with, you know, genuinely good knowledge, 
okay? In this case, a diamond, or perhaps a solid working knowledge of the main verb tenses in English. So let's imagine, okay, that makes it even more exciting, I think you'll agree. We're not just learning about grammar, we're actually making diamonds, okay? Right, so... Um, Let's start. Listen closely and I'll, I'll tell you a few things about myself, okay? And I'd like you to notice the tenses and I'll explain them afterwards. Eventually, the plan is for you to perhaps practice this yourselves by talking about yourself in a similar way using the tenses uh, as I do. Then you'll be speaking more like a native and you will have sort of won that sort of diamond trophy of English, okay? Some of this, as I said, is written down. Some of it's improvised. Okay, so let's go. It's grammar time. All right, so, hello, um, I'm Luke, and I'm from London, uh, but at the moment I'm living in Paris. Um, I've been living here for just over a year, and it's great. I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know that originally I'm from England. I was born in a town just outside London, and then I lived in West London for a long time. Um, my dad was promoted... Um, in the 80s and he got a job in the Midlands so we moved there to an area called Warwickshire and we stayed there for many years. Um, I went to university in Liverpool and I lived there for four years and then I moved back to Warwickshire back with my parents um, and that's when I decided to become an English teacher. Um, I'd finished university and I was working in a pub and not really going anywhere and in fact, at that time, as well as studying at university and college, I'd also been playing in lots of bands over the past few years, but it hadn't really worked out, so I needed to think of something to do. Um, I ended up deciding to become a TEFL teacher. TEFL, that's teaching English as a foreign language. Um, I decided that in 2001, and then I went to Japan, and I lived there for two years. That was an awesome time. I had loads of really cool experiences and met loads of people. But I didn't really want to get stuck there, okay? Like, what can happen sometimes is when you go to a foreign country and you live there for a long time, uh, especially somewhere as different as Japan, there's a danger that you kind of get stuck there because you really get used to living there. So I didn't want to get stuck there. I was keen to get back to my home country. So I moved back to London after a couple of years, and I worked there for a long time. Um, and um, it was while I was living in London, in fact, that I came up with the idea to launch an amazing podcast for learners of English that would save the world from the forces of evil. And that's when I created the now legendary Luke's English podcast and a new cult of language learners was created. Who knows, maybe the lepers, that's the, the, the community of listeners, maybe the lep lepers will one day rise up and just speak really fluently, and then give everyone free ice cream sandwiches. It's just a dream, maybe, but who knows, it might just happen. Um, I moved to Paris in 2002, no, I moved to Paris in 2012, um, and living in Paris is pretty cool. Um, it used to be quite difficult, because I couldn't speak the language, but I'm getting used to it now. Um, when I first came here, I'd never visited Paris before, but my girlfriend had told me a lot about it, so I was kind of prepared. Um, I'd also been to France quite a lot as a child on holiday, but when I first arrived, it was quite hard because I didn't speak much French. Um, I took some French lessons at school when I was a kid, 
but I don't really remember learning much. In fact, I think most of the time those French lessons were just a bit of a dos. Um, certainly a lot of the kids just took it as a chance to just muck around. Um, so I didn't really learn that much in my French classes at school. So when I first arrived here in Paris, I couldn't really communicate, which was not very helpful. I mean, it was, at, it was usually okay because I could get by, you know. But I remember once I was walking down the street and this guy came up to me and he started talking. But I couldn't understand him. And he just got angrier and angrier and started following me down the street. It was a bit scary and weird. And I wish that I could have understood him and just told him to piss off or something, you know. These days, things are much easier. And, and Paris really is an amazing place to live. Um, I've seen and done quite a lot of stuff here. I've, uh, I've been up the Eiffel Tower. It's very nice up there. You get a very good view. Um, I've uh, visited the Notre Dame, the cathedral. I've been to Shakespeare and Company, which is a really cool little bookshop, um, like an English language bookshop near the river. And there's loads of, th- I've, I've been to loads of bars and loads of restaurants, and I've tried lots of delicious French wine. And the thing you, you should do when, you, when you're tasting wine is you kind of, you know, you go through this ritual of like moving the wine in the glass and smelling it and taking a sip and then you have to talk about the quality of the wine and go mm, mm, yes mm, yeah I'm getting banana I'm getting chocolate I'm getting a hint of a hint of ginger in there as well you know you have to kind of talk bollocks about the uh, about the wine so I've done quite a lot of things here um, I've been um, I've been doing lots of comedy as well um, obviously there's a little English language comedy scene here in Paris so I've been getting quite a lot of stage time and I've been doing lots of gigs um, and I've been I've been working at the university. Um, I've been recording episodes of the podcast still from, from the flat. I've been learning a bit of French. Um, today, um, today, well, I've, I've drunk a bit too much coffee, so I'm pretty hyperactive. Um, I don't know if you can tell that I've, I'm quite hyperactive today because I've drunk so much coffee. Normally I drink tea, but more recently I've been drinking coffee and it does have a slightly different effect on me. I've had probably about 9,000 cups to, already today, um, which is nearly my limit, I would say. Um, so, yeah, I'm I, at the moment I'm working at the university I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I'm still an English teacher. I teach English. That's what I do. Um, but uh, I, I'm teaching at uh, a university at the moment. Hopefully, it'll last. Hope they'll, hopefully, they'll take me on again uh, next year. Um, but um, the future. I mean, it's you know, it's always open, isn't it? You can just define. You can define your own future. I wonder what's going to happen in the future. Um, um, I mean, short term, short term plans. Um, my girlfriend and I are going to visit New York next month. That's going to be cool. I might do a report, a special report from New York. So we're going to uh, visit New York, and um, we, we've got lots of plans there. We're going to stay in a in like a um, Airbnb apartment that we found, and we're going to visit like lots of famous places in New York. It's going to be brilliant. I haven't been to New York since I was a kid. I went there once in like 1989. So I haven't been there for ages. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, 
So yeah, and so we're 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 just planning the trip at the moment. We're we're flying there in in the middle of April. That's going to be good. Um, so, but let's see. What about say, for example, this time next year? It's difficult to tell. But you know, I'll probably be I'll probably still be recording episodes of Luke's English podcast. You know, um, and um, it's the World Cup, isn't it, this summer? So that's interesting to see what's going to happen there. England will probably win, you know. We'll probably win. We'll probably just go in there and beat everyone, including Brazil, somehow. Obviously, I'm joking. I mean, it's obviously a joke, isn't it? I I don't expect you're going, What? How dare you make such a broad accusation or judgment about the standard of English football? Um, We probably won't win. Um, I imagine it'll be someone like Spain or Brazil or Argentina or something like that. Germany, perhaps. Um, Yeah, Portugal, they're they're pretty strong. England, not so strong at the moment. But we did qualify quite convincingly. um, But we're in a difficult group. So it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be difficult. Um, We probably won't get to the final. But if we do, it will be amazing. Uh, if we do, and this is, you know, we have a slim chance. Um, let's see. But then, like, if I look further into the future, this time, sort of five years from now, who knows what I'll be doing? Um, hopefully, I will still be recording episodes of Luke's English podcast. That will be cool. Um, I, you know, I might have had kids by then. You know, um, I'll probably have like children. That'll be interesting and extremely time-consuming and, and exhausting. Um, so, yeah, there you go. I, hopefully, I will have I will have done many more episodes of Luke's English Podcast and perhaps I will have um, perhaps expanded my work online in some way. Um, probably sort of 10 years from now, that would be about 15 years of Luke's English Podcast. So, you know, 10 years from now, it would be 2023... Imagine if I if I'm still doing Luke's English podcast at that point, um, I will have been doing Luke's English podcast for 15 years at that point, and I will have been being listened to for 10 years. Now that last sentence is a bit ridiculous and it's not very common. That was future perfect continuous passive, so it does exist, ladies and gentlemen. That that tense does actually exist but we don't use it very much i will have been being listened to for 10 years right that's that's it that's the end of my little example um thing explanation of myself and let's see how many of the tenses and verb forms you noticed in that a lot of that was improvised to be honest you could probably tell because of the slightly rambling way that i delivered it but um, a lot of that was improvised. So can you, you know, could you tell which tenses I was using? Let's go through them now. What I'm now going to do, actually, is review this recording. And I'll see which, you know, tenses I used. And I'll pick out some examples. And then I'll explain the tenses. And I'll kind of try and um, compare them. And hopefully just sort of confirm th- what you already know. And maybe even give you a bit of new insight into the way some of these tenses are used. Okay, so that's what's going to happen in just a moment. Okay, right, let's let's get started again. Let's get down to brass tacks. Let's get down to the details. 
let's get down to the nitty gritty now i've just been through um a lot of what I just said, and I've written some notes, I've written some examples, I've basically taken out examples of things I said, and so we're going to look at these tenses, all right, and these verb forms. Present simple tense, present continuous, past simple, past continuous, used to do versus get used to doing, uh, present perfect, our old friend, present perfect, present perfect continuous, uh, past perfect, past perfect continuous, Modal verbs to talk about the past, a little example of that. Then the future, and we'll be talking about going to and using the present continuous to talk about the future. Uh, Talking about the future using will, uh, first conditional structures, uh, future continuous, and future perfect, future perfect conditionals, no, future perfect continuous in a conditional structure, no less, and future perfect continuous passive, which is a bit ridiculous, and also modal verbs for the future, okay? So, this is going to be a challenge for me, okay? It's going to be a challenge for you as well, because you've got to try and focus throughout this. Remember, you're like Super Mario, let's say, or, or, or Link from The Legend of Zelda. You're just trying to find diamonds in all of this challenging stuff. Imagine, if you, if you imagine you're playing a computer game, imagine that this bit is like the end-of-level boss, okay? And if you can defeat the end-of-level grammar boss, then you will be rewarded with a solid diamond of English achievement, okay? Right, so let's get started. First of all, present simple. Well, it's, come on, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? We all know this one. I mean, if you don't understand present simple, you're not going to understand the complicated uh, language that I would use to describe the present simple. I mean, we know it's used to talk about, you know, general facts or sort of regular things, things we do every day or regularly, okay? If we compare it to present continuous, that's probably a little bit more useful. So let's move straight on to present continuous. Um, I said things like, um, uh, in fact, okay, here's a good sentence to, to compare the two. I teach English, but I'm teaching at a university at the moment. So I teach English and I'm teaching at a university at the moment. All right. So, uh, obviously, I teach English is present simple. I'm teaching at a university at the moment is present continuous. All right. Um, And, uh, okay, so what we learn at school, or what you learn at school probably, is that present continuous is used to describe an action which is in progress at this particular moment now. For example, I am sitting on a chair, we are learning English, that kind of thing. And it's true, it is used to talk about things happening right now, but it's also used to talk about, for example, temporary situations at the moment, okay? So my example was, I teach English, that's a permanent thing, that's my permanent uh, vocation, that's my career, that's what I do, I teach English. But these days, or at this general time now, this kind of temporary general period now, I'm teaching English at Uh, a university. Now, not right now, I mean, I'm at home now, but generally at this time in my life, I'm teaching English at a university. So, we use present simple to talk about permanent things in our lives, like your permanent job, and present continuous to talk about temporary situations or temporary things going on in your life at the moment, okay? Um, For example, at the moment, I'm working at a university, um, um, at the, you know, I'm from London, but at the moment I'm living in Paris. So at the moment, currently, these days, 
right now, these are all time expressions we use with present continuous. Um, you, you might know some more details of this grammar. For example, you might know that, you know, train timetables, when we're talking about, you know, train or bus timetables, we use the present simple as well. The train leaves at six o'clock sharp, for example. Now, that's in the future, isn't it? Six o'clock. Um, it is. Just imagine it's six o'clock tomorrow. Then it's always going to be in the future, isn't it? The train leaves at six. Come on, hurry up or we're going to be late. So there we're using present simple to talk about the future in that case. Um, let's move on to past simple, um, basic stuff. Um, we know that with past simple, uh, we talk about single events, single finished actions um, in a finished period of time. That's very important. And obviously, we use past simple to talk about basic sequences of events. First, I did this. Then I did this. Then I did that. Then I did that. Then I did this, for example. All right. So what I said was, I lived in West London for a long time. Now, we can note there that I'm using for with past simple. And we know, don't we, that for is often used with another tense. Which tense is it, listeners? Which tense do we often use for with? Well, you'll know it's present perfect. I've lived here for six months, for example. Obviously, with present perfect, we use another time expression. We use a few, but typically we also use since. Okay, for and since. I'll come back to that. But with past simple, we also use for, okay, to talk about a period that an action occurred in the past, right? Uh, I lived in West London for a long time. Okay, back to the idea of a sequence of finished actions. Here I said, my dad was promoted. That's a passive one. He didn't promote himself. Someone else promoted him. So my dad was promoted by his boss, I expect. My dad was promoted and got a job in the Midlands. So we moved there and stayed there for many years. I went to university in Liverpool and lived there for four years. And then I moved back to Warwickshire. Okay, so... Um, Moved, uh, stayed, went, lived, moved. Okay, these are all sort of finished things that happened in a sequence. So past simple, past simple, past simple. Fine. Um, next, we have past continuous, which is just, it's a classic, isn't it? Isn't it a classic verb form? Past continuous. It's one of my favorites. You know why? You know why I love past continuous so much? Um, I mean, obviously, we, we all love past simple. It's everybody's favorite. I mean, past simple is like... It's like Coca-Cola, isn't it? Um, it's just a standard thing that everyone uses every day. Uh, past continuous, though, that's when things get a little bit more interesting and dynamic. It's not as confusing and possibly unnecessary as past perfect. It's a good old standard workaday verb tense, isn't it? And we use it often to tell stories. It's really important in telling stories because it allows us to sequence events and it allows us to establish situations in which other stuff happens. You know, if you're telling a story, a basic thing that you do is you explain the situation first, and then you talk about some of the main things that happened after that. So if you're explaining the situation, often we use uh, past continuous, don't we? Uh, we do. I was living in Japan when I bought a guitar for example, all right? Or I was living in Japan when I fell in love with a geisha. All right, it's not true. It never happened. She wasn't a geisha. <clears throat> uh, 
And um, so you describe the situation at the time with past continuous and then use past simple to describe the main events that happened within that context. Now, what did I say? I said things like this. It was while I was living in London that I came up with the idea to launch an amazing podcast for learners of English. So it was while I was living in London. So that was the context at the time that I came up with the idea to, la to launch Luke's English podcast. So to describe the, the context or the situation, we use past continuous when you're telling a story. We also can use it more specifically to sequence individual events. So um, we'd use past continuous to talk about something, let's say something that was in progress that you'd started before and that was interrupted by something else. Okay, do you remember the example? Well, I said, I was walking down the street and this guy came up to me. I was walking down the street and this guy came up to me. So if you imagine like a cartoon of this, you imagine me walking down the street. <whistles> I'm just having a lovely time walking down the street here in Paris. I'm new here. Wow, isn't it lovely? Look, there's the Eiffel Tower. Oh, watch out for that dog poo. Oh, it's lovely being in Paris. I think I might order a coffee. Hmm, you know, that kind of thing. I was walking down the street when suddenly... A guy came up to me. All right. So I was walking down the street. It's like a long action. It started before the guy came up to me. And it was interrupted by this guy who came up to me. All right. The guy came up to me is considered a short, quick thing. So you've got a long action, which is interrupted by a quick action. And that's really common, isn't it? You know, um, for example, I was, I was watching television and suddenly the phone rang. Oh, what's going on? Oh, oh, it's the telephone. You know, a surprise. What a surprise. I was walking along the street when suddenly I stepped in a dog turd. Oh, God. You know, basic, simple stuff. Let's move on. Right, next thing we have used to do. I used to do it and to get used to doing it. Also, to be used to doing it. Now, I've covered this before, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, I believe I dealt with this in episode three of Luke's English Podcast, in which I analysed some of the language that my dad used to talk about his childhood fun that he used to have at Easter time. Um, let's go back to it now. That was something like 173 episodes ago, so I'll forgive you if you don't remember that. Um, so, used to do, and to get used to doing, or to be used to doing something. Now, these are two distinct verb forms and they're different completely different but people get them mixed up all the time one of them is i used to do something for example i used to live in japan all right and then i am used to doing that's an ing so that's be used to ing or get used to ing uh, i am used to living here now that means that um when it it was difficult before but now you are accustomed to it now it's kind of easy and everything's okay, right? So, for example, um, it used to be quite difficult because I couldn't speak the language, but I'm getting used to it now. So, two uses of used to, in fact, three there, uh, used to, used in two ways, two totally different ways. It used to be quite difficult means that it was regularly difficult in the past, but it's not anymore. All right. And then I'm getting used to it now means I'm I'm gradually becoming accustomed to it. It's becoming easier. All right. Another example. I used to smoke. I used to smoke, uh, but then I gave up. Right. So I smoked regularly in the past and then I stopped. Um, and I'm 
I'm getting used to speaking French now, meaning that it's becoming easier and easier to speak French. You see totally different things. Um, uh, in fact, you could say, I am used to living in Paris now. I'm used to living here. It's fine. You know, I'm, I, I'm not experiencing culture shock anymore. I'm back in my element. I'm the master of my domain again. All right. Okay, let's move on to present perfect. Present perfect. Our old friend, our old enemy. We've been through so much together, haven't we, present perfect? Think of all the battles that we've had. Think of all the struggles that we've experienced. Present perfect is like a battle-hardened war veteran. You know what I mean? Because we've all done battle with present perfect and present perfect's friend, present perfect continuous. These two form quite an almighty combination, I think you'll agree. Right, let's get down to the real nitty-gritty of present perfect. Now, let's see. The main thing for present perfect is that we're talking about a past event which has some connection to now. That's the main thing. Past, past with connection to now. All right? And what we always learn, or what you always learn at school, or it seems what everyone seems to say about present perfect is that it's a past event which started in the past and continues now. That's the thing I always hear people say. You know, I say, okay, present perfect. Who could explain what present perfect is? And someone always goes, well, I think it's a, a past event, a past, an action that started in the past and still continues now. <laughs> and you go, well, it's not exactly true, is it? Uh, there are sort of three I've come up with three sort of uses of the present perfect or three rules or explanations of what the hell it is, okay? The main thing being past event with a present connection, okay? Now, that past event and present connection can be interpreted in three ways, all right? Um, First way is, yes, yes, it's true. Maybe the event started in the past and it still continues now. For example, I've lived here for a year, Okay, or I've been living here for a year. Fine. Okay, started in the past, still going on now. All right. In that case, the connection between the past and the present is that the action is is ongoing. All right. I've I've worked at the university for seven months. Okay. Right. But how about this example? Um, how about this example then? I've been up the Eiffel Tower. I've visited Notre Dame. I've been to Shakespeare and Company. I've tried lots of delicious French wine. Now, in all of those cases, those actions are all finished, aren't they? I'm not still up the Eiffel Tower. I'm not still standing outside Notre Dame going, wow, look at that. That's nice. That's old. And I'm not still in Shakespeare and Company looking at books. And I'm not still drinking delicious French wine, although I wish I was. Um, No, all of those things are finished, but they are connected to now. How? Because they're all part of my my experience of living in in Paris, all right? In fact, you could say, in a larger way, they're part of my experience in my whole life, you know, my whole life experience. So we're talking about events, finished events that took place within an unfinished period of time. In this case, the unfinished period of time is my whole life or my time here in Paris, all right? So it's not that the action is still occurring, it's that the action took place within a period of time which is still active, you know? my time here in, in France. Now, an example I often give is, is like John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Now, at the time of recording this, Paul, thankfully, is still alive. But unfortunately, John Lennon died in 1980. 
So you could say John Lennon wrote some great songs in his life. Or just simply, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. John Lennon wrote some great songs in his life. Now, um, we have to use the past simple there because John Lennon's life is unfortunately finished. It's a finished period of time. But on the other hand, you could say Paul McCartney has written some really great songs in his life. Now, he's still alive. That's why you can use present perfect. Okay, so finished actions, unfinished period of time. That's why we say things like, I've drunk a bit too much coffee today. Okay, uh, so that's in today. Now, you wouldn't say, I've drunk too much coffee yesterday. No, you can't do that because yesterday is a finished period of time, past simple. All right, finished period of time, past simple. Last, last week, last month, last year, when I was a kid, when I woke up this morning, when I, when I met... Um, Ringo Starr, okay, all of those past simple. Unfinished time, today, this week, this month, this year, you know, um, for example, this month I've already recorded lots of podcasts. I've already recorded lots of podcasts this month. So there it is. Finished, finished things in an unfinished period of time. That's the second one. And the third one is a finished action with an effect on the present. Finished action present effect, uh, like evidence of, of that, that past action on, on the present. So, for example, I've drunk too much coffee, so I'm feeling really hyperactive. Okay, so the coffees are all finished, but there's a present effect. That's the, the, the effect is I've got caffeine running through my body, and I'm hyperactive, you know. So, you could also say, would you like something to eat? No, thanks. I've already had lunch. I've already had lunch. No, thanks. I've just eaten. Um, okay, so that means the food is still inside. The present effect is you're not hungry. Yeah. Would you like something to eat? No, thanks. I've just eaten. Um, we, I, I mentioned before, uh, time expressions that are used with uh, present perfect. We've got for and since. Those are the classics, aren't they? They are. Yeah. Uh, the golden classics of time expressions with present perfect. And you will know, of course, that uh, we use for with a period of time um, and since with a point in time. So, for example, since a time, since a date, since a moment. Since September, since 2012, okay, for six months, for five minutes, okay, for ages. Okay, good. Uh, we also, with present perfect, we also use um, already. Um, I've already done it. It's like, have you done that thing yet? No, I've already done it. You know, no thanks, I've already eaten. Would you like some coffee? No, I've already had 9,000 cups today. Thank you. All right. Uh, we also have just. I've just eaten, thanks. And we use just to emphasize that the, the event very recently happened. That may be another connection between a past event and the present, is that the past event happened very, very recently. I've just eaten, for example. Um, there are others ever and never as well, of course. So ever is often used when you're talking about your whole life experience. Have you ever been to New York? Yeah, for example. Yes, I have, you know, but I've never been to New Orleans. Okay. Um, life experience is often, often with ever. There's probably more. It's like so far, you know, I've, I've been talking for about 40 minutes so far. Okay. So I'm sure there are others. Um, anyway, 
present perfect continuous. Now, there's a thing with present perfect continuous and present perfect, and that's that sometimes they can both be used. For example, I've been living here for uh, two years, and I've lived here for two years. They both work. Um, but um, let's see. We had the example, I've been up the Eiffel Tower, I've visited Notre Dame, I've drunk lots of nice wine. Okay, present perfect simple. Then present perfect continuous would be, I've been doing lots of comedy, I've been doing lots of gigs, I've been working at the university, I've been recording episodes of the podcast. What's the difference there? Well, present perfect, I've been up the Eiffel Tower just once, right? You're just emphasizing that it was one completed thing. Whereas I've been doing lots of comedy, we're emphasizing that it's a repeated action or maybe a long action. I've been working at the university suggests that it's like a repetitive, repeated or long thing. Unlike I've, um, I've visited uh, Notre Dame, which was one single action. Now, an example I sometimes use, it's a little bit ridiculous, but it does kind of explain it a little bit. Um, the example I use is, um, um, I've broken my leg and I've been breaking my leg. Now, you wouldn't say I've been, break I've been breaking my leg. You wouldn't because it's ridiculous. Why is it ridiculous? Because you wouldn't break your leg again and again and again, would you? No. Or, or you, you certainly wouldn't break your leg very, very slowly. What have you been doing today? Oh, I've, I've been slowly breaking my leg because I am a masochist. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd say, what happened to you? Yeah, I've, I've broken. No, I can't come to school today because I've broken my leg. Um, okay, so we can see I've broken my leg. One thing, one single action with a present effect. I've been breaking my leg is really strange because you wouldn't do it repeatedly or over a long period of time. You know, why are you, oh, what's, what's wrong? Why are you crying? I'm not crying. I've just been cutting onions. I'm making a lasagna. That's from a song, which I might play you later on. Um, okay. Present perfect, present perfect continuous. Done. Now, there is an issue with present perfect continuous, which is sometimes... Uh, it's when things have just recently finished. Um, I've painted the room. I've been painting the room. That's, that goes back to what I just said, really. I've painted the room. It's all done, finished, completed. I've been painting the room. It's like you're emphasizing that you've been doing it sort of repeatedly. Maybe it's not finished. All right. Um, past perfect. Past perfect, which is less necessary than we expect although it is actually very regularly used there are some instances when past perfect could just be present uh, there are some instances when we use past perfect we could just use past simple all right but sometimes it's kind of necessary to establish a sequence of events okay i said that's when i decided to become an english teacher i'd finished university and i was working in a pub not really going anywhere. I had finished university. So at that time, back in 2001, I was, li I was living at my parents' house and I had finished university. Now, I said earlier on that past continuous, that useful storytelling um, tense, is used to establish a situation at the beginning of a story. We also use past perfect to establish the backstory, don't we? So, you know, I'd finished university and I was working in a pub and I wasn't really going anywhere. So I decided to become an English teacher. So I'd finished university is describing like, like the past in the past. We're talking about 2001. And before that period, um, I had finished university. 
Okay. Um, let's see. When I arrived at the party, everybody had left. When I arrived at the party, everybody was leaving. And when I arrived at the party, everybody left. Um, now, which one is worst? Which is the worst situation? Um, probably the third one is the worst one. Let's look at that again. When I arrived at the party, everybody had left. That means that when I arrived, no one was there because they left earlier. So, when I arrived, they had left. Okay? Uh, and then we've got, um, when I arrived at the party, everybody was leaving. That means I arrived at the party. It's like, oh, you're, you're all leaving. All right, well, oh, you're not going to stick around? No? Okay, well, bye then. See you. Um, everyone was leaving. They were in the process of leaving when I arrived. And then the third one, when I arrived, everybody left. That means I arrived. Hello, everybody. Hi. Yeah. You know me. I'm Luke from Luke's English Podcast. I'm going to tell you a story. And then everyone went, oh, God, right. Uh, sorry, we better, no, we better be going. Um, nice to meet you, Luke. Anyway, bye. Um, when I arrived, everyone left. What? Oh, okay. Well, I'll just stay here on my own then and just record a podcast. <laughs> okay, so I said, uh, when I first came here, I'd never visited Paris before. So, again, we're establishing backstory. I'd never visited Paris before, but my girlfriend had told me a lot about it, so I was kind of prepared. All right. Um, past perfect continuous. As well as studying at university and college, I'd also been playing in lots of bands over the past few years. So I said about present perfect continuous. It's used to describe, like, continuous or long actions. It's the same thing with past perfect. Um, when I first... When I first ar- when, uh, what am I talking about? Um, in two thousand and one, I'd been playing lot. I'd been playing in lots of bands. So establishing backstory again, but talking about regular, repeated, or long actions. I'd played in a band once. I'd been playing in a band regularly. You know, it's a long action. Okay. Are you all right? You okay? You're surviving. You're managing to keep up with this. Remember, you're crushing a diamond under great pressure. And when you get through to the other side of this, you'll be rewarded. Ping! With a brand new sparkling, valuable diamond. Okay. Right. So the next thing is modal verbs to talk about the past. This is just like a extra bit, really. And I said, I wish I could have understood him. I wish I could have. Um, I, I could have. I might have done it could have done it. I wish I could have understood him. Now, I could understand him. I could understand him. I could have understood him. Whoa. Okay, that's difficult to explain. I could have I could understand him means I was able to understand him. I could have understood him means it was possible for me to understand him. All right. So, we use um Okay, if we're talking about um, possibilities in the past, we, we use modal verbs and with this structure, might have done, could have done, can't have done, will have done, and so on. If we're talking about past possibilities, um, like at the moment, all right, there's a, a flight, a Malaysian Airlines flight, which has gone missing. Now, when you listen to this, maybe they will have uncovered, you know, the location of it. But at the moment, it's a total mystery. It's really, really weird, okay? A plane has just disappeared and no one can find it, which is amazing in this day and age, you know? 
It's very strange that a plane just disappears. Where is it? So we can speculate about what happened to it. You know, it might have crashed in the sea. It could have disintegrated in the air. It might have been um, abducted by aliens, although it's unlikely. Okay, um, it must have crashed. I mean, come on, it must have crashed. It it might have been landed. It might have landed somewhere in a secret place. It could have been. Uh, it could have been um, hijacked by terrorists. Apparently, some of the people on board were using fake passports. Okay, so there's just a few examples of the way we speculate or make, talk about possibilities using modal verbs. Modal verb plus have plus past participle. Um, I talk about that in the episode about Joaquin Phoenix, which I understand is episode five. Okay. Um, then I started talking about the future. Okay. And I'd like to start by talking about going to and present continuous. There are a few different um, verb forms we use to talk about the future. It seems everybody knows that we use will to talk about the future, don't we? It's not as simple as that. There are other ways to talk about the future too. And going to is like a good friend, you know? He's like a good buddy going to because you, you use going to to talk about things that you've decided to do or things you're planning to do or your intentions. So it's kind of a personal one going to, okay? Um, so we're going to visit New York next month. It's a plan. Um, we're going to stay in an Airbnb apartment that we found. Again, it's another plan. It's something we've fixed. Um, we're planning the trip at the moment. There's present continuous. That Okay, that's, that's talking about the present, isn't it, to be honest. But the next example, we're flying there in the middle of April. We're flying there in the middle of April. Okay, present continuous to talk about the future. And it's fixed. So, we often use present continuous to talk about the future. Like, hey, what are you doing later? What are you doing at the weekend? Are you doing anything tonight? All right. What are you doing later? Um, do you want to come for a drink? No, I can't. I'm, uh, I'm having dinner with my girlfriend's parents, for example. All right. Um, so that's going to and present continuous. Present continuous, fixed future plans. Going to is also used to talk about future plans. You could say it's slightly less fixed. And then will, um, we use will to talk about plans which we are making right there and then at the, at the time of speaking. What are you, uh, you going to do tonight? I don't know. Um, I think I'll just go home, to be honest. All right, so you kind of make that plan there and then. We use will. We also use will to respond to things that happen right there and then. The doorbell rings, ding dong, and you go, I'll get it. I'll get it. You've made the decision right there and then. The phone rings, ring, 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 ring. I'll get it. Okay. Um, you see someone with some heavy bags. Hey, don't worry. I'll, I'll carry those for you. So you kind of um, just make the decision and you say it at exactly the same time. All right. Uh, also, when we're talking about the future with will, we are kind of not necessarily talking about plans, but we're making judgments, explaining our opinion or giving predictions about the future. Okay, so I said things like this. Who knows, maybe the lepers will one day rise up. Maybe the lepers will one day rise up. Now, that's not a plan. That's more like a sort of a, a prediction about the future, isn't it? Maybe the, the lepers will rise up one day. Okay, hopefully they'll take me on again. Hopefully they'll give me another job. Hopefully they'll give me another job. All right. Um, hopefully they'll take me on again. 
So there, again, hopefully, it's not a plan. It's like, you know, something I'm hoping for. Um, and we often use will with probably. They go together. They're like buddies. Will and probably, they, they collocate a lot. England will probably win. England, I, I expect that England will probably win the World Cup because we're the best team in the world. Um, obviously, that's just a joke. We probably won't win. So England will probably win, but we probably won't win. So watch out, because it goes will probably, but probably won't. All right? So remember, will and probably go together a lot. I'll probably just go home. England will probably win, I imagine. You know, uh, we I probably won't see you later, because I'm, I'm going to go home, I think. I'm just going to go home. Okay? Um, all right. First conditional. It's a classic, isn't it? It's like a Beatles album, the first conditional. It's like the Beatles' White Album. It's just an all-time classic bit of grammar. First conditional, we all know. It's um, if plus a present tense and then will in the other clause. Don't put will in the if clause. No, don't do that. Please don't do that. Because when, when that happens, it's really annoying. It's just a classic mistake. Okay, so remember, if and will in the same clause, is bad. If and will makes teacher kill. Because he gets so annoyed at hearing if and will in the same clause. So don't say this. If we will win, I will celebrate. Don't say that. Stop it. Okay? If we win, I will celebrate. So if um, is followed by a present tense and then will in the other clause. That's a first conditional. I'm not going to go into the other conditionals because I'm focusing mainly on like time, you know, expressing time. Um, I'll have to do an, a separate podcast about conditionals. Um, right, so let's let's move forward into the upper echelons of grammar and tenses. So we're going to start looking at future continuous now. So we're we're moving into the future. Imagine sort of robots and high technology. I am a robot. I live in the future. Future continuous. So it's all sleek. It's all everything's like made of molded plastic. Um, you know, it's like iPods everywhere and stuff like that. Kind of digital noises, digital future, digital future. You can imagine maybe the music has been recorded by um, that German techno group. What are they call Kraftwerk, future learning, future English. Uh, it could be Kraftwerk. It could be the Yellow Magic Orchestra if you're from Japan. So imagine some sort of future world. That's the land of future tenses. Future, 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 future. Future continuous. So this is basically um, um, will and then a continuous form. So will be and then ing. And I said, who knows what I'll be doing? Five years from now, who knows what I'll be doing? So that means at that time, five years from now, we're talking about things that will be in progress at, at that point. Um, I realise I've just used future continuous to explain future continuous. But I think you understand it. Let's look at an example of um, at 8 o'clock tonight, at 8pm tonight. Don't call me at 8pm because I'll be eating dinner then. I won't be able to answer. Don't call me at 8 because I will be eating my dinner at 8. Okay, so at that moment at 8, um, let's say I'm going to start my dinner at 745 and I'm going to finish my dinner at 8.15. So at 8, I will be eating my dinner. All right? So in a similar way, five years from now, 
I'll probably still be recording Luke's English podcast, you know. Um, future continuous. Hopefully, I'll still be recording episodes of Luke's English podcast. Uh, future perfect. Future perfect. Perfect. Per- this is a perfect future. <laughs> Imagine a, fut- a perfect future where everyone uses excellent grammar and everything's slightly too futuristic. In fact, it's a little bit a bit worrying. You know, it's like some kind of totalitarian society and it's all a bit too perfect. Anyway, future perfect. I'm just joking around here, but let's talk about this grammar. Um, my example was, hopefully I will have done many more episodes of Luke's English Podcast and perhaps I will have expanded my online... Uh, perhaps I will have expanded my work online in some way. Um, I will have done many more episodes of Luke's English podcast. Um, so we're talking about five years from now and talking about things that at that point, mm, okay, it's a difficult one to explain, isn't it? Things that I'm going to do before five years from now. So if we move ourselves to five years from now, there will be certain things that um, are completed at that point. Let's go back to the don't call me at eight o'clock example, okay? So don't call me at eight o'clock. Why? Because I'll be eating my dinner then. Call me at 8.30. Why? Because I will have finished by then, okay? I will have finished by then. We often use by with future perfect. I will have done this by then, you know, you know, like your boss might say, Right, I want you to, I want to see the work, I want to see that report on my desk by six o'clock Friday, okay? I expect that by six o'clock Friday, you will have completed the report and you will have put it into my hands, okay? Um, Call me at 8.30 because I will have finished my dinner by then, okay? So five years from now, hopefully I will have done many more episodes of Luke's English Podcast and perhaps I will have expanded my work online in some way. Okay, then we have the ridiculous future perfect continuous, which is not very common. If I'm still doing Luke's English Podcast, now this is a first conditional structure. So this is like future perfect continuous within first conditional. It's like, it's like inception, for grammar at this point. You know the movie Conception? Conception? I've made that mistake before on Luke's English Podcast. Conception would be a different kind of movie, wouldn't it? That would be like a kind of boom, chicka, wow, wow kind of movie. You know, uh, the sort of late night movie, an adult movie maybe, Conception. You know? No, it's not Conception. It's Inception. It's like grammar within grammar. Okay, First conditional structure, future perfect continuous. If I'm still doing Luke's English podcast, I will have been doing Luke's English podcast for 15 years. So in 10 years time, if I'm still doing Luke's English podcast, then I will have been doing this for 15 years. Will have been doing it. Well, it's just like a perfect, it's a perfect continuous form in the future, isn't it? Um, Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, and then we've got future perfect continuous passive, which is just ridiculous. Um, I will have been being listened to for 10 years. And let's be honest, no one ever really says this. Okay, it's something that you can say in grammar, but no one ever really does. I will have been being listened to for 10 years. You will have been listening to me 
for 10 years or I will have been being listened to for 10 years. Can you say that? I'll have been being listened to for 10 years. All right. We also have modal verbs for the future. It might just happen. It might just happen. I think I've already done that, haven't I? Modal verbs to talk about the future. Maybe. Maybe I've already done that. Um, all right. Okay. Um, we also have just another thing about future. We often use will with certain verbs. I expect I will. I hope I will. Um, I imagine I will. Okay. And hopefully I will as well. Um, okay. So I've gone through it all and we're on probably about an hour and five minutes at this point of the podcast. I've realized I haven't done pronunciation yet. Now, I, I could do, what I should do is a full, fully detailed lesson on pronunciation of these, these different examples. Maybe what I'll do now is a follow-up. I'm going to do a follow-up episode to this in which I just deal with the pronunciation of these things. Yeah, that's a good idea because then I can really focus on connected speech, weak forms, and other aspects of pronunciation. So using the examples I've just um, extracted from what I said earlier, I'm going to go through the pronunciation and, and, and lead you through um, exactly how I would say those sentences in fluent speech. For example, you know, stuff like, um, I'll have been, uh, I'll have been doing I'll have, I'll have been doing this for 15 years. I'll have been doing this for 15 years. So you've got, I will have been doing this for 15 years. I'll have been doing this for 15 years. Imagine. I will becomes I'll. I'll have been doing, I'll have been doing this for 15 years. I'll. And have becomes of. In fact, the, the will, the ul, the L sound, ul, and of in the sort of reduced form of have, which is of. So the ul and of become love. I love. It sounds like I love. I love, doesn't it? It does sound like that. I love been doing this for 15 years. Now, if you are a new learner of English, I would forgive you if you thought I said, I love doing this. I love been doing this for 15 years. It might sound like I love doing this for 15 years. Or just, I love doing this 15 years. It's probably what it sounds like. I'll have been doing this for 15 years. But no, it's not. It's, it's like a ninja bit of grammar. That's the thing about English grammar, you see. That's why you have an intermediate plateau. It's because English grammar is like a ninja. Okay? You think, yeah, that's just, I love doing this for, I love doing this 15 years. Fine. But no, ching, 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 ching. It's a ninja grammar because it's, I love been doing this for 15 years. You'll notice that the for is for. I'll have been doing this for 15 years. For 15. For, 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 for 15 years. Can you do that? I'll have been doing this for 15 years. All right. That's just a taste of what you'll get in, I expect, the next episode. I expect so. Um, but for now, that's the end. That's the end of this. Wow. It's been emotional. It's been gripping. I've drunk too much coffee and now I need to go and have a bit of a lie down and I expect that you do too. What I suggest actually, ladies and gentlemen, is that you listen to this again and again, if you can stand it. <laughs> I hope you can put up with it. You listen to it again and again, get really used to it, repeat the examples after me. Um, what you could do is go to bed 
and sort of listen to this as you're going to sleep and then subliminally the rules of grammar will just enter your brain and then you'll wake up fresh and empowered by the grammar of English. So I just want you to remember, now that you've got through this and you've focused and you've concentrated, your reward is ping, a lovely shining diamond of English grammar. And it's there for you to just do whatever you want with. You can sell it online and make loads of money. You can just proudly display it somewhere. You could um, put it onto a ring. You could put it onto a ring and ask the girl of your dreams to marry you. And how could she say no with this wonderful, powerful diamond that you've just created. I realise that this is a slightly mad episode of Luke's English Podcast. Slightly intense, I would say. But I've done that on purpose because I know that I need to keep you focused and to keep your concentration up. If I was to, if I went through all this stuff in a really boring way, let's now move on to the use of going to and present continuous when describing plans for future events which are have been agreed upon by both parties to a communicative act where the understanding is that the event being described is one of intention um, and uh, there are various examples of this in contrast to the use of uh, will or future simple as some may call it and some of those examples are thus. Uh, now obviously I can't have, you know, I couldn't do it like that because that would just be sleep-inducing. It could be it could be a good idea for a new episode of Luke's English Podcast. In fact, it's one that I've been thinking about for quite some time. Um, an episode which is one where I help you to go to sleep, you know? Like one of those, having trouble sleeping, why not listen to Luke's... Uh, why not listen to Fall Asleep with Luke from Luke's English Podcast? In Fall Asleep with Luke from Luke's English Podcast... I will explain the rules of grammar to you in a very in a very sleepy, boring way. And the effect will be that your mind will gently close down and you'll fall into a deep and restful slumber. Um, that's quite a good idea, I think you'll agree. And I will do that eventually. There'll be nice atmospheric noises. You know, boom, 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 boom. You're now in the sleep zone. Now that you're in the sleep zone, I'm going to go through the basic rules behind conditional structures. And I'll do it in, a, in the most boring way possible. And the result will be that you will fall into a gentle sleep. That's going to be a brilliant episode, I think you'll agree. For this one, though, for now, I think it's time that I've wrapped things up. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. Don't forget to visit teacherluke.podomatic.com where you can check out transcripts, and notes and other details and also if you fancy it if you'd like to repay me repay me no if you'd like to repay me for you know the work that i've put in this evening then you can simply leave a donation by clicking on the paypal button or not you don't have to don't feel any pressure uh, but i'd just like to remind you um, that i've just given you a diamond that's right a diamond um, a large one and a perfect one so just, just bear that in mind. Okay, thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. It's been a brilliant episode, I think you'll agree. But for now, it's goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. So like, nice one for listening to my podcast, yeah? I think you'll agree, it was totally wicked. And, uh, you know, respect to you, basically, for like downloading it and that. If you want more information, just visit my website, yeah? teacherloop.podomatic.com alright wicked <laughs>
The management here at Luke's English Podcast would just like to apologise for that last jingle. You may have noticed that the URL given at the end was, of course, teacherluke.podomatic.com. In fact, nowadays, teacherluke.podomatic.com doesn't work. In fact, the new website address is teacherluke.wordpress.com. That's teacherluke.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.